All right, here we go. Now that you found your paradise, this is your kingdom to command. You can go outside and polish your car, or sit by the fire in your Shangri-La. This is the History and Music Podcast. This is your host, Scott Gifford. Uh, many foresaw the decline and fall of this show, but here we are, better than ever, um, in a sort of perfect myth- mystic paradise. Here in the studio, um, as always, we have Sean on drums. How's it going? <laughs> How's it going, man? I was going to do an, a drum intro, but I didn't have one ready. <laughs> <laughs> you know, something like that. Yep. Uh, yeah. How's it going, Sean? Good, man. I'm doing all right. Um, I, uh, it's hot outside, so we have that going for us, but, yeah. uh, I am in good health and good spirits. No complaints here. Yeah. We've been, we've had a heat wave come through as well. It's been fun. The kids don't want to go outside. We also have here with us, uh, Mr. Popcorn, um, on t- of Twitter fame on the, on the base. Um, hey, how's everybody. it going? <laughs> Welcome to the show. <laughs> hey. Happy to be here. I'm glad you guys went along with my uh, instrument choice for you. Are we the kinks in this scenario? Is that who we are? Th- that's kind of what I'm going for. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> that don't might know. be what we have. Yeah. Naturally, you know naturally, Scott's the lead singer. Obviously, <laughs> gets all the girls. <laughs> no, I, I play. Uh, I play the what it, the chimes or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> the cowbell. <laughs> <laughs> no, this was just like a concept I came up with. You know, I, I like it. I like it. Yeah, we've got. Well, yeah. So our rhythm section is is uh, Mr. Hot Buttered Popcorn of Twitter fame. Mm-hmm. So, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, Long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> Very nice. I've always wanted a guest to say that. Thank you. We've made <laughs> no it problem. in podcasting now. We've made it in podcasting because we have a guest that said that. Um, and I'll just choose to believe that you're not lying. Yeah. Right. <laughs> is this is this your first pod? Is this wait? This is your first time on our podcast for sure. Okay. Uh, yeah. Cool. Um, well, welcome, Mister Hot Butter Popcorn. Do your friends call you just HBP, or do you have like a nickname? Just popcorn will do. Popcorn. Okay. Friends call me. Okay. Um, so we tell us a little about yourself. You know where you're from, who you are, why should anybody care? You know. Uh, I'm on Twitter and. Uh... I not care. I tweet like twice a week, but <laughs> uh, no, I, I like the, I love the idea for history and music and diving deep into that. I'm a big music fan and uh, of listening to your previous shows and learning things. So I figured I might as well, you know, give it a shot. Uh, I'm from Utah. I'm here locally. Uh, this is the part where you want my, my history listening to music and, uh, you know everything, my whole life story, all of that. Yeah, whatever you want to get into, but uh, you know, you you can be you can be as as extensive or as minimal as you choose. <laughs> Let's start for with sure. your with, with what you like about what uh, music you uh, grew up listening to. Um. Well, let's see. Uh, my dad was big time into country, and my mom was into R and B, like indies, radio hits, and neither of those really. Jack- think around uh was like 
I was uh, 11 or 12. I got one of those little uh, MP3 players that have like a quarter gig. Fill it up. I'm like, okay, I have to, you know, develop my taste in music when I'm going on the bus to middle school. You got to fill up this iPod Nano. Exactly. And then I'm digging their CD and I'm like, I, I don't want to do any of this. None of this is going to work for me. Uh, it's something I would listen to. I think when I was a kid, I listened to, uh, I don't know, when I, when I could pick the radio station, it was like Radio Disney or something cheesy like that. They have all the, all the teeny bopper hits. And I'm like, well, I've outgrown that. <laughs> uh, but I, I don't want to follow after what my, my old folks are doing. So um, I just kind of started digging and exploring. And, you know, like you have those like, 1001 albums you need to hear before your die list and like okay i'm like i think i just google like okay it's, you know good music to listen to michael jackson boom uh i think the beatles were the gateway drug and i know there's uh opinions on the beatles some people really love them some people really hate them <laughs> uh but for me they imprinted on me and it kind of just really stuck so i've liked that era of uh british invasion and it kind of just snowballed from there and then i kind of went out exploring in as many different directions as I can. I'm a huge classic rock guy. Uh, that's something that's, yeah, I like the idea of like, you know, four piece guitar, is drum singer kind of thing. Also the video game rock band. I played that at growing up and it's amazing. I think that game single-handedly rock music alive for like another five or six years. The charts and, and rap and, and, and electronic was about to take over. But... Hmm. Uh, j just one sec, Sean, is popcorn cutting out a lot for you? The audio? Yeah. Uh -oh. The video is not, shoot. just the audio. It, it might be okay. uh, the AirPods. What is the video? No, video's no, fine. The video's, video's fine, fine. audio. So so I don't I don't think it's a connection. I think it's the AirPod connection, maybe. Okay. Um Let's see, I could switch to my phone or I could try doing it through my computer mic, but then you might have some echo. That's uh, fine. Is that something you want to try? Yeah. We can try, yeah. We can, we, we, Scott can edit all this stuff out so it'll seem seamless from your intro to. <laughs> or we, we can leave it in and be. be I don't know. We'll see. Well, now it's part of the charm of podcasting as we're doing this live. <laughs> we get all yeah, our. Yeah. We need to take it from. Yeah. All right. Um, so are you, are you doing the computer audio or the. Yeah, let me let me give the okay. Okay, cool. Is this any better? Say yeah. say something. Is this any better? Actually, yeah. it is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's we'll it's see. a little bit more it's a little ambient, but it's louder. Yeah, and we'll, we'll okay. see if we'll see if you cut out at all. Yeah. All right. So okay, so uh, I guess we'll just edit this out in three, two, one. We'll just I'll ask you a question. So. Um, so, Mr. Popcorn, uh, you—it sounds like your your kind of gateway, your your entry into the world of music that's not your parents was the Beatles and um, kind of some more of like those like like musical heavy hitters like that. Is that is that true? Uh, that would be true. I think okay. they were the first ones to uh, really Im imprint on me, and then you you know you fill it with that, and then after a while you kind of get sick of that, and you want to move on to something that's like that, but that's not exactly that, and then you move down the, you know, the, the whole rabbit hole, the Stones, the Who, Dylan, uh, Clapton, down into the seventies and eighties, and that's uh, there's a lot of like I go up about to the nineties, the two thousands is where it really does it for me, 
but I've always been at home in like that late 60s, early 70s kind of period. It's interesting it's, that uh, that you had to move that you had to move away from your parents musically to get to the to Beatles. find that. Yeah, <laughs> it's usually the opposite. Yeah, because well, for because for me that, we, we had the Beatles playing in the house and I liked it, but it's because my parents are boomers and they love the Beatles. Right. Well, and that mm-hmm. that's the the funny thing is is like the the like this this generation like the people like the like the Beatles for example the reason they played that music is because their parents it's different than what their parents listened to their parents were listening to like. I don't know, jazz or something like that, or I don't know, like folk songs, probably. No, but... I just wanted to piss them off and that <laughs> stick was, to the man. Did it. it's, it's funny. Yeah. That's interesting. So do you it sounds like you you're you're a big fan of like the the sixties like British invasion stuff, which is basically kind of what we're talking about today. The Beatles had a heavy hand in that as well. The Stones, all those guys you were naming off. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's what really got me into it and then it kind of grew from there as you know rock tried to figure out exactly what it was and what it could be and it started blending with all these other different genres and, and electronic and it really spread its wings but it's like uh, the root of the trees right there where everything is really close together but it's still distinct in a nice charming little way interesting so is that would you consider most of that stuff like your current listening you know stuff that you're listening to or have you have you moved beyond that because you said you went up to the 90s and 2000s but no but nowhere past that isn't that what you said yeah yeah i mean that's not really where i've spent a lot of my time it's uh if i pull up my spotify now it's kind of all over the place with a bunch of everything let's see i'm going through uh the dead some robin trower uh a little bit of metallica some lush pop um the the soundtrack for spider-verse that just came out Okay, so, so an, ecle- an eclectic taste. It's all over, but if I had to pick one thing to focus on, my love, it would be there. And uh, so when uh, I was thinking of songs to do on the podcast, I'm trying to think of things that have to do with uh, history that would be a good topic to bring up. And uh, I-, I settled on the kinks for reasons I'll get into later. Yeah. But yeah, the music is right up in my wheelhouse. So so before cool. we, you bring up history, before we get too far, too deep into music and, and stuff, um what about history what what, what uh strikes your fancy in, in as far as like historic topics i i wish i could say i am as into history as much as i am into music i have a you know kind of basic understanding but that's why i came to you guys because i was hoping that uh, you'd be able to enlighten me i know a little bit about uh, uh you know the victorian era the edwardian era post-world war ii britain but you know it, it's like a couple of books that I've read that I haven't really dived deep into it. Got it. Cool. Awesome. Well, is there, is there anything like as a kid that you always like liked, like like uh, Greek history or Roman or or American history or something? What, what or strikes you, your fancy? That, not, not something that that you like know really deeply, but what strikes your fancy? Oh, what strikes my fancy? Hmm uh world war ii is always a favorite i mean every kid i think that's everyone's gateway drug mm-hmm. into oh yeah. wow yeah my grandparents did this that was a real thing that happened but i can read about in my history books yeah. uh american revolution uh also super cool uh pioneer era uh you know the saints crossing the plains that's that was another one nice all american i like it yeah, Promise we are. We are. Yeah, we are. We are uh, American exceptionalist enjoyers here on this podcast. Mm-hmm. So we've got to balance out the 
the topic of conversation because we're going to go rule Britannia. <laughs> yeah, we're going to hear about some, from some Brits, but I think this song has a universality to it that we'll kind of get into in the in the song. But um, okay, cool, man. That's awesome. Well, I, I I feel like I know you better already, musically, historically, just as a person. So um, the song we're discussing today is uh, the song Shangri-La by the Kinks from 1969 and i will be totally honest with you i think my dad had a kinks album when i was growing up my, my mom my parents had a kinks album when i was growing up so i know some of their songs like waterloo sunset i know that one you really got me everyone knows that one um they had one other one that i that i knew about i forgot what it was but lola. i had never i what was it lola's their big hit lola yeah obviously yeah lola well and i when i was a kid i listened to a lot of uh weird al yankovic when i was a kid and he had a cover of Lola called Yoda, you know, and so it's uh it's a classic. <laughs> it's a classic. <laughs> better but, than the original, you asked me. The classic yeah. classic of a classic. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of like Lola better, but I did see Weird Al perform that song in concert, Yoda, not Lola. Um, I think he actually fell off the stage during it and injured himself. Oh, wow. And he actually walks to a limp, walks with a limp to this day from that concert at Canoctai Harbor in like 1997 or something like that. But anyway, I went, I went to a weird Al concert and that was the loudest concert I've ever been to. Like really for, for days, I couldn't hear out of my right ear. Wow. Anyway, yeah. I, I, almost, I almost had a rock man. He's um, incredible. Live. Yeah. yeah. He's great. Yeah. The, the costumes like, are insane. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he puts on the full show. Uh, see, I I went when he did the when he did the stripped down tour where he only played his original songs. There was no costumes; it was just you know five guys sitting on stools. But even then, he put on great, a wonderful show just facial expressions alone. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've heard him described as someone who isn't Jewish but should be, or like <laughs> or you, someone who you think is Jewish oh but my isn't. Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> that's, 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 that's amazing. That's pretty good. Because he looked, I was like, "Oh yeah, it could be." Did you guys see the biopic of him? Kind of the the oh with uh, Daniel Radcliffe. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved it. I thought it was hilarious. I didn't see it. I didn't see it either. I I, I kind of know the concept that it's like a large, that's kind of a fake thing, but it looks it looks uh, pretty so fun. He's he's just making fun of music biopics and doing like the thing that they do in in all the movies, the Elvis movie and Bohemian Rhapsody, where it's just so rot and overblown and. Uh, it ends with him uh, dating Madonna, and uh, he kills Pablo Escobar and takes over his drug cartel, and then he has to kill Madonna in order to stop her. It's If you've seen Walk Hard with uh, John C. Riley, it's very similar. I highly recommend it. It's incredibly entertaining. So so he did with uh, biopics what he does with music. He just, exactly. So yeah. it's true to life, then, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah exactly. And oh, he wow. co-wrote the screenplay, too, so you know everything that's in it is true. You know, you know it's legit, yeah. Dude, like the original Troller, that's awesome. Well, anyway, Shangri-La by the Kinks um, is the song <laughs> yeah. we're doing today uh, from from 1969. And this is, I, I'm not going to, I'll try not to get too much in preamble on this one, but it's from, like, I thought the Kinks... I guess they started in the sixties, like the early to mid sixties, but this is from like their like ninth album or something like that. Like they, they'd had a bunch of albums and then this one came out. The album is called Arthur or the decline and fall of the British empire. And this is one song off that album. And it's a concept album, which I, I, I 
won't get won't get into now unless we need to or unless you want to uh, mr popcorn you can but it's just one song from that album and the whole album is about this fictional character named arthur and they actually based it on their brother-in-law whose name is actually arthur yeah but i, I wondered uh, about that How, what what the uh, real life arthur thought about that yeah so i it's funny you ask that because i saw uh an interview where uh the singer of the kings ray is it davies is that how you say mm-hmm. his name ray davies uh, uh it's davis davis uh, davis yeah it's spelled davies but it's pronounced davis it is okay. it looks like it says davies but it's, it's yeah. a british spelling british people um so but he's talking about how he he actually like his his brother-in-law arthur knew this album was sort of based or or inspired by him and he was okay with it because ray the singer actually apologized that hey man i know it's not like the best like doesn't paint you in the best light so i'm sorry i I meant no offense it's just kind of some things in your life inspired this album and he's like no it's fine i don't care no big deal so well well, arthur it's not like he's a bad guy in the album he's he's just a victim of the circumstances right he's a victim of yeah he he is the the ultimate normie yeah Yes. That's yes. Right. Which which is why this song has such a universality and why it's still applicable. And was forty years later, almost fifty years later. Fifty, 50 years later. Fifty years later, it's still like you could release this today with updated, like you know, sound editing and 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 mixing and so forth, and change nothing. And you'll you know, it was still, I think it would still apply. But um, so should we should we get? Do you think do you think the this, everything will come out in the lyrics as we go through them or mr popcorn do you want to do any kind of preamble on on what the song is about the concept album or anything like that behind this uh you could set that up um so uh i don't want to get too into the history of it but i do think it's interesting because um the kinks kind of got let i was talking about everyone thinks coming from that same route about like you know british pocket the beatles the stones and the kinks are kind of like left out in the cold because uh while everyone else is going through like you know the mid-60s and woodstock and psychedelia and the hippie movement and everything the kinks were actually banned from touring in america the the rumor is that it was because they got into fights on stage and, and got kicked off some people think it's just because they forgot to pay royalties to this contract. Either way, all of the kind of musical revolution and everything was happening in America. There was no, there was no stated reason though, like just for what mm-hmm. it's for. Like, so you're exactly yeah. right. They got banned from performing in the U.S. The theory is, is because like they had this like kind of ruckus, raunchy, inappropriate stage presence, or it's too rowdy or whatever. But then it's also like this payment thing. But no actual reason was given to them for being banned in the U.S. But sorry, continue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that left like, you know, other Brit- other British bands would go and tour in America and they would pick up on like, you know, trends, the like flower power and things that were going on there. And they would, you know, merge their music with uh, psychedelia or pot or acid or, you know, uh, protesting the man or whatever it is that it was. And the kinks never really could do that because they were kind of just marooned on their own little island and developing by themselves and you know ray davis was just the kind of guy who oh, if everyone else is doing this thing i don't want to do that i'm going to do the exact opposite so while they're turning into like you know eastern enlightenment and uh, uh and roots rock and going to country and and other things like that the kinks are just looking back to uh I don't know, uh, traditional British morals and like Victorian values and a cup of tea and going driving. 
and trying to you know find meaning in those things so they are completely out of step even though it's musically not very different from the beatles or or the stones it they're completely out of step with everything else that's going on uh attitudinally but they're trying to deal with the same problems that everyone else is is going on with in the late 60s and their records sold horribly no one they i think this album uh was like number 105 or something on the charts they had you know a couple of early hits with you really got me but uh they, they didn't make a dent on the charts and it was uh, their next album was lola which got them back up but this is some of their best music and it didn't sell whatsoever uh and that's partially because it's so radically different so this is kind of uh, i'm kind of rambling here but this is a no, concept album <laughs> Uh, it's a collection of songs where they're trying to tell like a story about, you know, this guy named Arthur with modern life, uh, modern life. And a lot of the songs are really good, but it probably sells better today, honestly, than it ever did in the 60s. Some people think of it as yeah. like a lost classic. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. And, and for what it's yeah. worth, I, there's people that, that really dislike concept albums, but I'm a big fan of them. I think they're awesome. Well, and I was I was uh, watching some some like interviews with Ray Davis about this one, and I guess what had happened was like early early in 1969 because this album came out in like October of 69, so towards the end of the year, but early in 69, like in January, there was this British TV uh, station, I guess, called Granada Granada TV. I think it's called Granada TV Granada Television. And uh, they would make like dramas and TV programming. And they basically approached this guy, uh, Ray Davis, the singer of, of the kinks to make a, like a, like a rock opera for TV. Like the first of its kind had been never been heard of before. No one had done something like this. So they wanted to make like a rock musical or a rock opera for, for TV that this Granada television would broadcast, you know, like later on in the late, late 60s, early seventies. And they they partnered him with this author who like between the two of them they actually wrote a full screenplay they got a director they got actors it was all lined up and they basically worked on most of the year 1969 was him working on this this uh, rock opera TV spot thing they were gonna do um, and I don't think it was gonna be a TV series I think it was like what we call today a, 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 a made for TV movie something like that where it's like a one episode that's kind of longer you know maybe a two part episode that's it and that's what it was designed to be. Um, like a play or something and they basically spent all of 1969 to work on it and then at the, at the at the 11th hour the studio that was going to to put it on or produce it basically said well you don't have enough funding for this so sorry we're pulling the plug on all of it and it never got released never got produced nothing and uh but but this album is basically a direct result of that because they wrote the album to kind of go along with the tv spot this tv show they were going to film and so, and then the, the whole thing talks about this char this character named Arthur Morgan. He's fictitious, but based on their uh, their brother in law. And uh, but it's called Arthur or the Decline and Fall of the British Empire, like I said earlier. And um, I guess the 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 nexus or the the um, genesis for this this album came like in the early '60s. I think it's like the early to mid '60s where. The the Davy the the Davis brothers uh, Dave and Ray uh, the two guys that were in the Kinks they're like the youngest children and only boys of like this huge family they have like eight sisters or six sisters something like a bunch of older mm. sisters and um, I and would so, hate to have to use the bathroom in that house yeah right <laughs> exactly so they're all from England but 
um, one of their sisters married this guy and moved away to Adelaide, Australia. And so sometime in the early 60s, the, the two Davis brothers went to go visit this sister. Her name's Rose, I think. And they actually have a couple songs about her as well. And they meet her, her husband or whatever. And, and he, I forget what he, he has some kind of just a regular old job, you know, and they have a little old house they live in. But the house they live in is in what they, what, what's called a planned community. Um, I think we might call it like a, like, like track homes or something mm-hmm. like that. We still, we still have planned communities nowadays, but I think you'd look at it as like suburbia, you know what I yeah. mean? This is po- post-war suburbia. And, and so that's kind of like where the idea for this song came about. And so even though the Arthur and the album isn't really all that closely related to their brother-in-law, Arthur, there are some, you know, some, some sprinklings here or there of things from this guy's life. They, they, and, both, they both tried to go to Australia to uh, get a better life somehow. Exactly. Family. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they couldn't get, they couldn't find good work in England or something like that. So they kind of went to Australia for a better life, but it was in the sixties rather than the 1830s or something. Right. But, um, but exactly. So that, that's, that's kind of like the concept of this thing. And so each song in the album tells kind of like a different sort of different chapter of this guy's life. So it starts off the very first song on the album is called Victoria and it's about like Victoria, England. And like you said, very, very British, you know, tea, queen, Victoria, Victorian England, you know, everything, everything is, is kind of stodgy and, and stuffy and, and, um, old-fashioned you know and then and then it talks about there's a song called australia about him going to australia and then after australia is this song where he talks about shangri-la and how uh this this arthur character has found his fictitious shangri-la in australia but we'll, so it's, it, we'll get but, but like the the whole the attitude of the album is like this celebration of britishness and stuff but it's um but it's all kind of tongue-in-cheek almost um uh like sarcastic it's very sarcastic it's all sar- sarcastic like right but it is it's also really empathetic it, yeah yes. yeah it's it, it's a little bit cynical but it's also like oh but i can understand why you would find refuge in those things and why you like them and why you want to keep them yeah which yeah, well, is kind of a it's a pretty british style of like of humor or sarcasm where it, it's kind of a, a darker humor i guess mm-hmm. yeah well and they don't they don't villainize the guy they it's more it's more like you said popcorn it's it's they kind of take pity on it. like, look, this isn't, this isn't his fault. It's, it's the, the system, if you will, or, or media, whatever you want to call it, you know, but uh, that is, I, I don't know. I think that's a good intro. I think you guys think we should get into the lyrics. Well, let's do it. All right. So why don't we start with verse one? Uh, Mr. HB, Mr. HBP, since you're the guest of honor, you want to start with that first stanza there, first verse? Sure, I'd love to. Oh, well, uh, and it should should we should we say that for the kids at home, you have the actual album in front of you with the lyric sheets. Oh, that that's true. <laughs> yes, yes, I'm a big vinyl guy, so I have the actual vinyl record here, and then I have the lyric sheet. And uh, you can't see this because we're talking uh, on sound, but the lyric sheet is a printed uh, printout of uh, Queen Victoria holding a little house with a picture of Arthur in it. If you can. Look it up. Look up the image. It's quite spectacular. It actually folds out like a fold-out thing that folds out. It's pretty, honestly, ahead of its time, I think. A very homely depiction of, of yes. Queen Victoria. Yes, a very unattractive mm-hmm. Queen Victoria. But anyway, <laughs> sorry. So verse one, which you're getting from the actual back of the album live. <laughs> okay, here we go. So it starts off with him just plucking these sad guitar chords in a minor key, and then it goes, Now that you've found your paradise, this is your kingdom to command. You can go outside and polish your car. 
or sit by your fire in your Shangri-La. Right there? Perfect. So Shangri-La, I don't think we have to go into that. It's a fictitious place. But ever, ever since like the 30s, it's kind of been this like, oh, you were going to Shangri-La. It's like this fictitious paradise. It's basically another word for paradise. And um, what I actually, just before the show, I was watching an interview, like a somewhat recent interview of Ray Davis, where he he's being interviewed with this British guy. And they're talking about all just all things British. And he said that the, the, the actual title of this song, before he named it Shangri-La, he actually called it... Um, what was it pebble was it pebble strewn nirvana pebble strewn nirvana that was that's it. what it was pebble strewn nirvana is what he called it and then he, he changed it to shangri-la like right before they're going to record it <laughs> so i think i think i don't i think i think there's there, that, there's some deeper meaning to that but that's that's just i'm just talking about shangri-la like what it is and the word shangri-la so it's this fictitious place that's supposed like in indonesia or something like that that doesn't really exist but it's a paradise or whatever so that's the name of the song um so now in this case that you now that you he's talking about arthur the main character arthur so now that arthur has found his paradise this is your kingdom to command you can go outside you can polish your car or you can sit by the fire in your shangri-la this paradise that you found but uh do you guys have any any thoughts on that one uh scott or uh popcorn i don't know it's just kind of painting a picture i think we're i don't know how much to pull out of it yeah well and it, i think it, it should be noted that the entire album, like we said, is about this guy, Arthur. And so you actually find out a lot of more details from his life from the other songs, not so mm -hmm. much this one, but from other songs, you kind of find out that like, oh, he's married and he has two kids and his son has two kids. And um, he named he named his son Eddie after his brother who was killed in the Somme or something. It's, it's, it's like this whole kind of sad um, uh, backstory to this guy. And now he's living in his Shangri-La, but th that'll come out in the rest in the rest of the the song i think but yeah there's yeah there's a thing in the well we probably can't talk about this without referring to the other songs and the liner notes but right we, we, you, you know what like there's a he he's a good british stiff upper lip uh he's a carpet layer a working class guy that you know <laughs> served the queen's army faithfully and will and he paid his dues and now that his he's he's made it he's got the the american dream the british dream a piece of land to call his own and he can do whatever he wants with it. He can go outside, polish his car. He can sit by the fire. It's his kingdom. Uh, the kingdom on it is capitalized with a capital K. It, it's his domain, his dominion. That sounds pretty good to me. I don't think there's anything wrong here. I kind of want that. Yeah. See well, if I still want it by the end of the song. Right. Well, and it's 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 communicating like freedom, right? Or, or liberty, I guess. Like you, you can do what you want, man. If you want to polish your car, you can do that. If you want to sit by the fire. You, it's your kingdom, man. You rule. You do what you want. You know, this is your kingdom as far as the eye can see, you know. So, all right. And then we have verse two. Scott, why don't you do verse Here, two? Here's your reward for working so hard. Gone are the lavatories in the backyard. Gone gone all the days when you dreamed of that car. Uh, you just want to sit in your Shangri-La. So you don't have to dream about the car anymore. You got it. You can uh, use the bathroom inside. Um, I'm just sitting in Shangri-La. So it's a continuation of, of kind of that same painting. Yeah. yeah. Working class uh, households back then, they did not have indoor plumbing. So if you wanted to use the bathroom in the winter, you had to go outside and use the same one everyone else is. And uh, now you have indoor plumbing. Isn't that a miracle? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, and, and 
this is this will come out further in the song but i think what it's talking about here is he's kind of moving to from the from the lower class like when he grew up you know he grew up in like the the tenements if you will the poor areas of london and uh where the lavatory was outside what we'd call an outhouse right was basically where you have to go to the bathroom but now he's got a shangri-la he has indoor plumbing you know he's living large he's got the car you've always dreamed of and so it's it's basically he's, he's kind of jumped classes right from the lower class to the middle class and that, that'll come out further in the in the song um but but other other songs on the album do talk about that how this guy arthur was was born just a plain simple man in a plain simple working class position and he managed to sort of reach this comfortable middle class status after years of hard work he finally earned his shangri-la and that car that he's always dreamed of you know what the more you talk about it this just sounds better and better i think i'm I sold i don't yeah. think we need to go to the end of the song i know i want my mm-hmm. shangri-la um, the ne- so the next part is, I guess they call it the pre-chorus, although I think sometimes they call it the bridge. I forget what they call it nowadays, but um, it says, put on your slippers and sit by the fire. You've reached your top and you just can't get any higher. You're in your place and you know where you are in your Shangri-La. And then after that, it goes to the chorus. Sit back in your old rocking chair. You need not worry. You need not care. You can't go anywhere. Shangri-La, Shangri-La, Shangri-La. So any any uh, anything caught you guys on the, on those? Well, the the, the the line you can't go anywhere. That, that's kind of a it's a, throwing a little wrench in in the paradise a little bit. It's kind of a peek into what the song's going to get into, right? Because it's, it's more of this whole man that you 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 can you're the you're the master of your own destiny. You can put your slippers, sit by the fire. You you've you've gone as high as you can go, man. You can you you know where you are. This is your place, your Shangri La. You can't go anywhere though. Mm-hmm. As long as you uh, stay here, you are free. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The one that sticks out to me is that uh, you've reached your top and you just can't get any higher. It, you know, there's two ways of reading that. You can be like, okay, I'm I am at the best place I can be. I am I have nothing else to worry about. Uh I am at the peak of my ability. And then, you know, the other side of that sets in. I am at the peak of my ability. I have reached my top and I just can't get any higher. This is it. I've had all these dreams about like, you know, there's allusions to the leaders and Queen Victoria and the royalty and the upper class and the aristocracy. He's talking about class mobility. I can't really get any better than this tiny little plot of land and this box I have in. I will live in the pod because I can't afford to do anything else. Right. Right. So so it can, can, it's uh, initially you think of he reached the pinnacle of the highest mountain, but really he reached the ceiling. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's probably a glass ceiling, I suspect. Yeah. Um, you're, well, capped, and, and, you're not going anywhere else. Right. Well, and I think it's kind of hinting at a little bit of that, 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 that British, um, uh, you know, that British idea of like different societal, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Classes. Classes. Thank you, Scott. Jeez. Yeah, the cl- sort of like that British class system a little bit because you've reached the top, you can't get any higher. You're in your place and you know where you are. So it's almost like you know your place. Like you know that this is you couldn't be one of the upper one of the elites, one of the royals, one of the you couldn't be that. So this is as good as you can get is is basically lower middle class, you know, from the working class to the lower middle class. From after working like a dog, that's that's as as that's where you can go. That's your place. You've reached your top. Yep. Um. All right. I, I like that. Um. Mr. Hot Buttered, you want to do verse three? 
Yep, it re- really starts to Two. turn a corner on this one. Right. A dark takes a dark mm-hmm. turn. <laughs> so the little man who gets the train got a mortgage hanging over his head, but he's too scared to complain because he's conditioned that way. Time goes by and he pays off his debts, got a TV set and a radio for seven shillings a week. Shangri-La, 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 that's the chorus. Yeah, there you go. So, so, so it's it, so it's starting to to let us know that that this paradise comes with a price. Um, you got debt holding you down. Um, even the the TV set and radio cost seven seven shillings a week. Right. Mm-hmm. He's got I, a, go ahead. He's got a mortgage hanging over his head. He's too scared to complain. And then once he's paid off the house, uh, he still has to keep up with his neighbors. So all of the little things that he needs in order to finance a TV set and a radio, that he's going into debt for that. He has to finance that because he doesn't have enough money. This is back in the era where houses are relatively cheap and TV sets are relatively expensive. You still have to keep up with the Joneses. Now it's the opposite. Isn't it wonderful? <laughs> I would much rather have a TV than a house. But yeah, I mean, there are lots of echoes. <laughs> There's lots of echoes that, like, I'm feeling it with this with this verse. The the whole having a mortgage, um, and because you have that mortgage, you're kind of trapped. You, you're too too scared to complain because it's like if you lose your carpet laying job, you can't pay your mortgage. Um, and then what? And then your Shangri La is out the window. Um, yeah. You can't do anything that will threaten your job. You can't do anything that will threaten your status. And mm-hmm. with you know, it's almost nostalgic. Like when you were in a working class position, you didn't have anything, but you also didn't have anything to lose. So mm-hmm. you could have been a lot more comfortable just uh, laying out there and being what you wanted to be. If you're in the middle class, you don't have that privilege. You have to obey by the rules or else we will take away your house. We will take away your car. We'll take away your status and your neighbors won't want anything to do with you. Yeah. I was just thinking about that on the train this morning and the way to work. <laughs> um but yeah, I, I thought it was interesting is he's too scared to complain. And it's almost like it's one of those things where he probably has people like, you should be grateful, man. Think of all the people that don't have a job. They don't have what you have. You should be grateful for all these things you have. Remember what, remember what you used to live with, with the lavatory out in the yard? Look at you now. You, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be complaining. You should be grateful, you know, for the, for this, this, you've worked hard. Now you have your Shangri-La and, you know, um, I mean, oh, sorry. Go good. Uh, well, I was going to say. Go ahead, Scott. Sorry. Girls, no. girls, you're both beautiful. <laughs> no, you're in the middle of a thought. Go. Okay. Well, and so, but it, it's it's clear that he doesn't have everything. It's not, it's basically like Shangri-La isn't all it's cracked up to be. Because he says time goes by, he pays off his debt, you know, that's his mortgage. But he also has a debt for his radio and his TV. Because in those days, as you said, Popcorn, um, those things were expensive. And in England... It's England is very much a meme where it's like, hey, Mike, you got a license for that, you know, because they they literally have to have a license to have TV because they have to pay the BBC, the British Broadcasting Corporation. Even if you don't watch the BBC, if you have a TV, you have to pay literally a TV tax um, so that it can pay for the BBC. And back in these days, if you couldn't afford a TV, you'd go to the store and they would literally like like lease you one essentially and so that's what he's paying the seven shillings a week for is to basically rent a tv and a radio so he can have them in his shangri-la mm-hmm. 
and so and there's other songs there, there's a there's another song that's later that uh kind of parallels this nicely it's called she bought a hat like princess maria and it's all about you know keeping up with the joneses she they people want to act higher than their class and they want to look like oh wow i am just like the aristocracy i can be like this i am just like my neighbors who are i'm just as rich as they are we can all do the, the same thing but it's yep. it's an illusion because it's all financed through debt there's yeah, still yeah. that go ahead the the, the debt-based consumerism thing that that uh the, the keeping up with the the idea that you have to keep up with the joneses is what's yeah trapping us and and yeah. what, what i was going to say before i cut you off was um was uh the, the whole being too scared to complain thing it made me think uh if he if he was around now he'd probably have an n on twitter account because he's too scared to to say what he actually thought right yeah well <laughs> and, and nowadays we'd say well all this stuff's fake man it's all yeah. fake but I think I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. But but why is he too scared? Same reason we are. Why is he too scared to complain though? Because it's he's conditioned that way. Because he knows that like like we're talking about this rigid class divide like this rigid class uh, class system where everything in is built around you know you have your your lower class your working class the fluid hierarchy here. There's no moving up or down the ranks or if there is a certain thing to a certain degree and it's not just him he can't just decide to everything in the the whole country the whole system is based around that and, and if you decide that you don't want to be a part of it then you have to live without all those things yeah i think you're right i think it goes back to that that line in verse three that you read where it says but but he's too scared to complain because he's conditioned that way and so if you're if you're taught from as, as, as far back as you can remember from a very young age, like, oh, this is what you need to aspire to have. You work hard, you, you, you know, keep your nose clean, you know, keep your, keep your laces clean, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, if you, if you are, are a good person, then one day you can have your own little spot of Shangri-La and now he has it right. But he has this mortgage hanging over his head. He has these debts to pay now and he can't go anywhere else. And so I'm wondering if he's like, you know what, this feels just like a half step up from where I just was. Cause where I just was, there wasn't anywhere to go. Now I moved up a little bit, but there's still nowhere to go. But now I have these debts hanging over my head as well, right. but I can't complain about it because I mean, I wonder if the complaint wouldn't even enter his mind because he's been taught from a very young age. He's been conditioned. They're like, no, this is what you want. This is what you're supposed to want. You should be happy. Mm -hmm. there, right. But, but something... oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say, but there, there's something kind of deep down in the soul that is trying to get out and uh, and would like to complain or to do something about it, but his stubborn Britishness conditioned him to uh, to kind of just pull yourself up by your bootstraps and and just do what needs to be done type thing. Right, the masculine urge to not be put into a box in in stuffy British society. Yep. <laughs> so cool uh, what, what i was gonna say there's a Go there's an earlier song on the album that's called brainwash that's his kid who's uh he goes into a kind of a marxist diatribe a little bit where he's saying the only way the only reason that you keep up with you put up with the system is because the aristocrats and the bureaucrats they're dirty rats for making you what you are and they kicked you around and you pushed you around and then of course you know the being a marxist his solution is oh we have to tear down the system and we have to make it so that doesn't exist anymore and he's saying you're, you're just a bunch of brainwashed conformists 
which you know kind of comes back in here i think that the it's not true that he that he's saying that you're just this thing is keeping you down but then what's the solution then if the if the diagnosis of the problem is accurate how do you get out of it apparently destroy everything tear it down yeah mm -hmm. uh, so that always works okay i like that and then it gets into the bridge or i guess what they call the bridge where's this and all the houses in the street have got a name whose turn is it i forgot is it your turn scott or is it yours popcorn uh, i just went i think it's scott's okay, okay. all the all the houses on the streets have got a name because all the houses in the street they look the same same chimney posts same little cars same same window panes the 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 neighbors call to tell you things that you should know they say their lines they drink their tea and then they go they tell your business in another shangri-la the gas bills and the water rates and payments on the car too scared to think about how insecure you are life ain't so happy in your in your little shangri-la 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 la 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 I think you need to say all those la la la's, Scott. Yeah, I said about half of them, didn't I? Okay, yeah, we're good. <laughs> yeah, so I think it's like this is like now on its face. Now he's like, "Look, man, you're not so happy, are you? Something's missing, isn't there?" You know, yeah, kinda... and, and at this point, the the music kind of turns like musically. It gets a little harder, mm -hmm. um, and so so this is kind of like you said. This is where he like it, it's it's stopped being sarcastic and started being direct and like hard and. Yeah, really turned it over here. Is this where the horn section comes in, or is that earlier? The horns have always been present, but this is when it really starts going into that, you know, kind of proto-punk. Yeah, yeah. It really, it really picks, picks up in tempo. Yeah. The, the guitars come in, and it picks up in intensity, and it stops being a soft little ballad with horns and a little bit of strings in the background. And it starts, it gets a lot fiercer, and it really digs into it. Yep. Yeah. I think it's in a major key, though, when the, the verses were in a minor. Right. Yeah. There's a key change. And on, on some of this stuff, and I don't know if this is intentional or just because it's the same era of British music, but I think Ray Davis, he kind of, he kind of channels a little bit of, um, of a Paul McCartney vibe a little bit with some of the, some of the, like the, the, what he does with his voice. And I don't know if that's intentional or just because they're both British in the same era. Um, but it's, it's it definitely has some, some kind of some Beatles sounds to the, to this song. But, very much yeah um so the the first line there and all the houses in the street have got a name because all the houses in the street they look the same so that's kind of where he's saying so i think i think the intention here is that this guy arthur actually did name his house shangri-la so i don't think he's calling that i don't think i mean it is kind of it is kind of sarcastic to say it is a, it is a shangri-la but I think in the premise of the story of the concept album, the guy bought this little plot of land, this suburb of London, and and called his house Shangri-La. And mm -hmm. so he's actually referring to the house by its name. And the idea was like, well, all these people move into these track homes. This is this is post-war London, right? All these track homes, this suburbia, all the houses are small, right next to each other. They all look identical. You can't tell them apart. And so all what the people would do is they would give their houses these little fun little names to kind of differentiate themselves to give them some slightly different identity from their neighbors 
And so this one was his was Shangri-La, but everyone else seems to have their own Shangri-La, right? All of his neighbors. So therefore, mm-hmm. what's the difference between them? Yep. They've been they started complaining about it then, and we still have the same same thing today with the track houses. Mm-hmm. Absolutely yeah. enough, nothing to differentiate you. And if you try to change it, then your HOA will swoop in and say you're disturbing it and they will find you. That's right. Uh, and then so when you're in this group with all of these other people that have the identical situations that you have, and you have the the sad duty of having to keep up your your facade the neighbors call to tell you things that you should know they come in and you have to do and engage in this idle suburban gossip because just to distract yourself from the fact that you don't have any class mobility and you don't have any anything to do except for live in this box and keep up this life uh, the this gossip and you come in they drink the tea and then they go he's saying that it's just the only purpose of it is to distract you from your boring, monotonous life and keep you occupied enough for a minute until you die. Yep. Yeah. And then, well, they come in and uh, they tell you things you should know, but then it says it, they turn around and uh, tell your business in another Shangri-La. So, yes, it, it's They're all not it's your all, friends. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. It's just gossipy. So, but, so you think cor- you have friends, but you don't. It's You're just, yeah. You're, yeah. You're still isolated. Well, according according to Ray Davis, is the typical goings on in your English neighborhood is basically this kind of stuff, and it's interesting that he calls them the neighbors call to tell you things that you should know. They say their lines, almost mm-hmm. like it's a script, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's it's like the epitome of like because they're conditioned that way, right? Just like he is, um, and and it's it's basically the epitome of like normie culture, right? Like oh, we all talk about the same sports teams, we all talk about the same the same TV shows. We all talk about that same weird neighbor we all have a problem with or we talk well, about yeah, each other it, or whatever. It, it really is. It's like, catch the game last night. Yeah, I caught the game. Good. Yeah, this, how's yeah. the weather? Yeah. Yeah. I and heard, so it's, I heard it's, Andor's it's, pretty good. Yeah. What was that? Say it again. I heard Andor's really good. Have you seen it? Yeah. 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 Actually, I, I actually did hear it on Ironic. I, I, I hear it's a step up from the other... <laughs> I hear it's a step up from the other uh, Star Wars shows. Oh, so. I, I haven't seen it, but I've had like six people ask me about it, and I'm going to throttle the next one who asks me. <laughs> I don't care. Uh, yeah, I know. I kind of get, I'm kind of getting a little Star Wars fatigue, but that's that's for a different, that's a conversation for a different time. But in um, a different but, podcast, or a different podcast, yeah. But I, I, I like the idea. Of, like they, they say their lines, they drink their tea, and then they go. And it's almost like the next day we'll do it all over again. You come over and it's like they're just reading a script. Hey, do you hear about so and so, or do you hear about such and such, or do you hear what happened to this in the news? Okay, well we'll see you tomorrow. Talk about the same crap all over again. It's just this 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 monotony. And again, it's it's the, sort of like what I said earlier. It's all fake. None of this is real. It's the Truman all, Show. Yes, it's, it's the all Truman fake. Show. <laughs> yeah, it's all fake. The, and, the gas bills and the water rates. That's all we have to talk about because we're trying to distract ourselves from the fact that we're all in slavery. But but right. here's the thing though is that it is all fake from a societal perspective or from the song's perspective but the people that are that are acting these out are real their blood pressure is real their uh their mortgage their their doubts their their uh worrying about their kids their this and that that's all real so so it is real people having real problems um but it all seems controlled and contrived a bit from uh from someone you know yeah but he can't step away from it because all these all this debt these payments he has and like the payments on the car the gas bill the water rates it well keeps even, if he, could, even yeah. if he could woody yeah if he could woody 
Right. But but I think I think what the singer is is implying here is that the gas bills, the water rates, the payments on the car and then the very next line too scared to think about how insecure you are, you know, so it's almost like it's it's designed to to keep him in his place. Right. To keep him in his uh, in that class. Yep. Because he has to worry about it. Other people don't have to worry about it, but he has to. And because uh, he knows his place has been conditioned to worry about it. Um, but one one thought I had actually just when we were talking about this this verse here is, do you guys think is do you think this is this is like Ray Davis Ray Davis of, of the Kings singing to this either either real or fictitious Arthur, or do you think these are Arthur's own thoughts that that he's he's grappling with? Well, we, we use the I don't know if I know the answer. I don't know everything. Yeah, I don't know if I know yeah. the answer, but I'm curious what you guys think. I, I think that Ray Davies is standing on high and he's just ju he's judging him. He's yeah. going back and he's saying, like, you feel this way because you you wanted a better life and you reached out for it, and, and this is what you get <laughs> for yeah. for not wanting to for wanting to raise your kids in a house uh where they have indoor plumbing. That's the price you have to pay. That's the the cross you have to bear. What, what were you what were you saying to that? It, yeah, it's it's just basically like I don't know. I'm, I'm equating it a lot to to Twitter, like modern Twitter stuff. But it's it's basically just like a a red pilled like anonymous account on Twitter, like looking down on all the normies just living their lives. Um, yeah. Even though these normies may be happy, may be miserable, but but they're but they're living a life that the best life that they can in their situation. Um, but um, is it any is it really any worse than? than the the base red pill guy that's cynical and and hates it all um i don't know the black the black pilling yeah exactly yeah well and, and for, for some context let's keep in mind that these are two young guys who are in a a, a rock band right a, a very progressive rock band for the era writing about their sister who has this domestic life, right? Married a husband, has some kids, settled down the whole nine yards. Yeah. And I'm assuming they're single at the time. So that'd be the equivalent of like, like a couple guys in a punk band nowadays writing about their sister who went and got married, you know, like, mm -hmm. like didn't, didn't Billy Idol write white wedding about that very same thing, right? Cause it's about his sister who got married and that's, that's literally his sister. Um, it it, kind, of, it yeah. kind of smells of jealousy a little bit. Yeah. yeah. A little bit, or maybe maybe it's more like I, I don't know. I, I like to think I like your idea, popcorn, about like the the omniscient Ray Davis, right? Like just kind of giving these edicts and these observations from on high, mm -hmm. um, and and basically saying like, well, look, this is this is what you want. This is like the dream you wanted, right? Well, is it is it still a dream now? It sucks, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. You know, even though he wouldn't even know because I don't I don't think at this time I don't think Ray had Ray Davis had anything. Well, yeah, you can list off you can list off all the worst parts of any lifestyle and, yeah. and make it sound horrible. Like he's not mm -hmm. listing off the the soccer practices and the first steps mm -hmm. and the and the delicious meal that that your wife made. There, the, you're not listing out like uh, spiritual experiences you had at church. Like you're not you're not doing the the good stuff. His kids are completely absent from this, and I think this is the. This is the most cynical part of the most cynical song on the album. He's and the, and the other songs, he's are usually a lot more empathetic and being like, "Oh, don't judge him too harshly. He's conditioned that way." And here, he just kind of digs on it. The he, he has his kids, he doesn't mention him. He has his wife, he doesn't mention him. 
he's just saying like, you have this consumer lifestyle, this consumer thing. So I, yeah, I think he is being a little bit harsh on it, but I also think there's, it resonates with people when they hear it to get frustrated with that. I think that's a normal, natural thing to want to, to be, to not like it not want to be kept in a box and, and kind of resent the fact that you do have to be chained up in a, a little bit if you want to be able to provide these things mm -hmm. for a family. Yeah. Well, that's, that's kind of like the, the, the male, the male thing, right? It's like, oh, you, you sacrifice for your family. You put things on hold for your family or to provide for your wife or to get the house, whatever. Um, and, and whether, whether this, whether this is like Ray Davis, you know, observing from on high or, or this is Arthur's own thoughts. Um, I actually forgot what I was going to say. It'll come back <laughs> to me though. But so, so, um, but the only focus, uh, the only, all I was going to say is the, the only focus is that, that this guy points out is everything that's negative is what the bills. That's all he's been pointing out, right? The bills and the nosy neighbors. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, what, what this, uh, actually the, the other thing that I'm thinking about a lot with this song is, is exit. We're all members of this, uh, this, uh, fraternal group called exit. That's, that's, uh, it's basically, it's kind of the ethos of this. Well, not I don't know if the ethos, but but it's kind of the uh, a lot of the themes in this song resonate with the uh, with like the um, what we're trying to do at exit, which is to uh, get out of this this system and kind of build our own parallel system or parallel. Uh, I don't know, not economy. Well, it's you know. it's 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 sort of the the, the panacea of this of this entire mm -hmm. way of thinking, right? Like this, mm -hmm. the, it's it's the remedy. For right. so you're saying, way of thinking. You're saying there's an alternative. It's not the Marxist way of tear everything down. There's no systems and we'll replace it with new people. You're, you're saying that you can actually build something that yeah. is, is a better way of doing it. Yes, Marxism isn't the answer this time. Maybe what what time, I'm saying is is Bennett's phylactery should have written this song, or he should uh he should write his own. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Bennett. He was uh, well, maybe, maybe, maybe the good doctor uh saw saw inspiration. From the kinks maybe for that. Ask him. Nick, i'm sure that's on. what he did i'm sure that's exactly where he took it from and, and by the way he was on a, a previous a previous episode um uh, what was it called Chinga? mongolian throat singing chingus Khan Chinggis Magatal. yeah that why um, does that not surprise me one bit <laughs> every song you suggested was some foreign language song and we're like dude i don't even speak any of these languages and oh he's like gosh. i don't either <laughs> but, but i haven't checked that one out yet but that's exactly where i'm going after this do it it's mongolian throat singing and it's awesome yeah um but, and, but yeah uh, I, think, I think this yeah. this would be a good episode for him to be on because because i really feel like it does it, it resonates with with a lot of what exit is but mm -hmm. but you're right popcorn it's like it's the other side of the coin or, or it's, it's a, it's a different, but like we, we see the same problem, but there's, but the, the, the Marxist solution is just, is just as evil. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I think, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that, maybe there's a reason that, that we're like, we notice things we were pattern observers, you know, we kind of notice these things. And so that's why we have this podcast and, you know, we, we talk about these things from a, from a, a right-wing perspective, but I think what I was going to say earlier that I, I just remembered is I, I think whether this is whether this is the kinks making an observation, knowing everything and making an observation, or whether this is the guy's own thoughts, you know, kind of put planting those doubts in his own mind. I think all of us have felt similar a similar mentality, right? A similar similar feelings before. Mm 
Like, is this, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I have what I'm supposed to want and I kind of don't like all of it. You know, not that you want more, not like a greed kind of a thing, but like, this isn't, this isn't as fulfilling as I thought, as I was led to believe it would be. Well, well the, the price, the price to, to pay for it, it isn't necessarily worth it. Yes. I think yeah. there's a Neil, Neil A. Maxwell quote, like God gives us the blessings that we ask for. So we had better want the consequences of what we want. It's not enough to just want it. You also have to think it out. And like, is this what is best for me at this moment? Do I want to deal with all the secondhand effects of it? And in the case, like if the answer is because I need a place to raise my family, I need a place to for my kids to live, then yes, but there is a cost and you need to know it comes with that and come and be prepared and not shirk from it at the first sign of trouble. Well said. I think I think having having a belief system in place, like a religious belief system in place, definitely helps alleviate a lot of this because it kind of kind of has that that eternal perspective of things where it's like look this is not my only existence this is not all there is to life you know but this is this is what i can do i can sacrifice and deal with this crap right the this this the car payments the mortgage the the nosy normie neighbors so that my kids can have a good life or so i can raise them the best way that i'm able to do you know right Mm -hmm. and um but but like there are ways to improve where you're at. Right. And, and so mm-hmm. I, th- I think that that's kind of another fault in the, the assumptions of, of these lyrics is that like, like you don't, you, like you're not actually stuck. You can get out of debt. Like, like maybe, maybe in, in the system that he's describing where you're like, you have to lease a, a TV or whatever it is that like, you don't have to keep up with the Joneses. Like you can, you can be upfront and not gossip, but like, um, you can kind of exit that system while still being in it a little bit. Um, Shout out. But but it, I guess I guess what they're talking about also is that is the conditioning, and so you kind of do have to swallow the red pill a little bit. Yeah, it, it's not polite to talk about it because they're you know too scared to think about how insecure you are. And then at the beginning, when you read the lyrics, you were like "Chingra la 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 la," you know, kind of. I, when I think when I hear him singing that, I think he's kind of. He's a child sticking his fingers in his ears going, la, 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 I can't hear you. I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to deal with it. I'm not going to try to resolve this inner emotional turmoil. I'm not going to try to do anything to better my situation. I'm just going to ignore it and hope it goes away and hope that dissonance gets resolved, which, of course, it never will. Yeah. Apparently, I mean, it's apparent in this song, but apparently it's also like kind of a theme in this entire album is this cognitive dissonance that Arthur feels like. I'm supposed to want X and I'm not happy or, you know, I'm doing Y and X is supposed to happen and and neither are occurring and that's not sitting right with me, but I can't do anything about it. You know, it's it's like this, 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 this inner, this inner conflict, I guess that he has. Yeah. I've been taught for my whole life that if I do this, I'll have a fulfilling life and, and I'll, I'll die happy, but there's something inside me bubbling up and it doesn't. Yeah. That inner conflict. Yeah. I guess maybe maybe the kinks are just giving voice to what they know he's thinking. Maybe yeah. that's what the maybe that's what the intent of the song is. Yeah, like, hey, I know that, I know you I know you feel this way. Let me put it in a song. Or, yeah. or yeah, maybe yeah, maybe the the real life Arthur. Um, they had conversations, and, and that's actually like I don't know. It's probably a real a real thing, and he just feels stuck. Like maybe these feelings came through in their conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, maybe. I know the Kinks were not a successful band at this point in the history. They had You Really right. Got Me and that was their one hit. And then they're, they they made enough to, you know, justify trying to keep doing these records and trying to keep coming. Like you were saying, this was their ninth record, their ninth go at it, and their success was just dwindling and dwindling. So they probably weren't in the best, you know, financial situation at the time. They probably were not living in nice houses and recording songs and Ebony yeah. Grand Piano. Uh, they probably were, you know, about as insecure as a popular musician could get at the time. Um, but, you know, they're not dealing with raising kids. They're not dealing with uh, domestic suburban concerns. So they're, they they have all of the class issues, but none of the uh, uh, none of the structure or anything to help them deal with it, perhaps. Also, no responsibilities, I don't think. Like, no. Keep in mind, these, these are young guys, right? Like just in a, in a, in a a bunch of young punks in a rock and roll band writing a song about their their uptight sister but but i will say apparently this sister rose moving to australia with her husband was like super traumatic for these guys at the time because they wrote all these songs and had these like really um like heartfelt sad feelings about her leaving and i guess maybe maybe in the 60s moving from england to australia was like the ends of the earth because it's very far away um but you can't just call them on the phone or facetime them yeah, well, I guess you maybe call them. I don't know. No, long distance. Maybe maybe long distance wasn't a thing. But I looked it up though. So Arthur or the Decline and Fall of the British Empire is actually their seventh album. I yeah, said ninth earlier. It's their seventh. Uh, it's their seventh of twenty-four albums. Like yeah. they were prolific, dude. Like that, like the hardworking dudes. There's no they way all catch, those albums. Yeah. They would catch just enough success for them to justify getting another record deal, and then they would just kind of peter out again. So, yeah. so their albums. I'm just going to read off the years that their first couple albums came out in in 64 65 65 66 67 68 9 70 71 71 72 73 74 75 like it's just like multiple in a year every year like they were just pumping them out yeah and uh, it's worth mentioning the reason they eventually did break up was in 86 was their last one and it was because the 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 two guitarists they couldn't not each other anymore they they were the two, fighting the two brothers at each other's throats yeah they're two brothers and and they realized we, we cannot live with each other anymore and that's what caused the breakup but they they were trying to deal with this and work this out for over 30 years come on you couldn't do they couldn't do 25 jeez <laughs> yeah well although ray davis had like a bunch of solo stuff um but i think they got back together i think to like perform because you know boomers like this kind of music so like oh, oh i'm yeah. gonna go see the kinks i'm gonna go say the see the kinks play at there's so much money being to lay oh, yeah. on the yeah yeah well i hear that mick jagger and keith richards don't really get along but they can afford separate dressing rooms on the stones tours i'm not sure if the kinks could <laughs> are they still are they still perf- are, are the stones still performing because didn't their their drummer just die uh they did i actually saw their show uh last year no two years ago and it was right after their drummer died. So it's still, you know, Mick Jagger and Keith Richards, the two principal songwriters. Right. And then, uh, and then there's a couple of other session guys. And then one guy who joined in the 80s, uh, Ronnie Wood from The Faces. But the two principal songwriters are still there. So it's still justified calling it the Stones. It's not the, you know, Let's Mick be honest, Jagger and a bunch of other people. That's all anyone cares about the Rolling Stones anyway. Exactly. <laughs> no one cares about the other guys, studio guys. No one cares. Ronnie Wood's been it forever, though, so everyone recognizes mm-hmm. him because he looks like one of the Rolling Stones. He, um, he is. I think uh, Eric Clapton tried out for the band, and then uh, Ronnie Wood came in like, "Yeah, you may be a better guitar player, but I can. And I'm a better Rolling Stone. I can handle the lifestyle. You can't." Yeah. 
Um, all right, so so to to start kind of wrapping up a little bit, popcorn. We actually we actually didn't even get through the whole all the lyrics. Oh, did we not? Yeah, we we missed. There's a there's oh, a pre-chorus and a chorus because we just finished the part where it's oh Shangri La, Shangri La 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 La. That's the part we just read. So I think your next popcorn, and we have the it, the, the song's wrapping up, so it kind of repeats it, but they do change one. I think one or two lines at the very very end. All right. So we're at the put put on your slippers um, and sit by the fire. That's you, Sean. Okay. Put on your slippers and sit by the fire. You've reached your top and you just can't get any higher. You're in your place and you know where you are in your Shangri-La. That's the same line we already read before. And then the very end chorus is sit back in your old rocking chair. You need not worry. You need not care. You can't go anywhere. Shangri-La, 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 Shangri-La over and over and over again. And the song kind of fades out after that. There it is. So at the at the end of it, he's stuck in this paradise that he can't leave and he can't improve upon. Uh-huh. And and one of the things I love about them is uh, I'm gonna sing for you. I'm sorry about that. But it starts out very high. Put on your slippers and sit by the fire. You've reached your top and you just can't get any higher. So it's singing about he's reached his top, and yet the sound is just going lower, a semitone lower, like a inflating as he's realizing all of this. And uh, it's a little melody quirk that I love about it. Um, but you can't, you need not worry, you need not care, you can't go anywhere. You're, there it is again, repetition, Shangri-La, Shangri-La, kind of just a drone, Shangri-La. It's very slow, very monotonous, and it's very repetitive, just like your life is. Yeah, there what is. was it? What was it, your, 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 your pebble... Pebbles was it Pebble yeah. Strewn Nirvana? Pebble Strewn mm-hmm. Nirvana. Yeah. Pebble Strewn Nirvana. I like that. Yep. Anyway, sorry, I'm just I'm over here just pondering away. But good song. Um yeah. hot hot butter popcorn. I'll um, ask you what one more question. Um why uh why do you think is the song is important? Why do you think people should be listening to it? Uh, well, first off, because the Kinks are awesome and they're an underrated band. And second off, I think the song deals with, you know, suburban ennui and that sense of wanting to better yourself and, and you know, very real doubts that are real that deserve voice, but also finding a productive way to deal with it and a way to actually have meaning that can, you know, outweigh that ennui. And something, you need to have something to look forward to and something to work for. Arthur doesn't have it, but maybe that doesn't mean you can't. Um, Arthur's he doesn't have his kids his country's declining according to the song his kids don't uh, understand him and they no longer understand him as a generation but that doesn't mean that because he hasn't you know put in the work to try to build everything according to the songwriter but that doesn't mean that you can't that doesn't mean that there aren't things that can outweigh it so there's a hopefulness to the song that is, is what is one of your mm-hmm. your read. Yeah, there's not a hopefulness to this song specifically, right. but right. the end of the but the it, the end of the album ends on a, a hopeful note. They, they, you know, kind of a cheerful sing along. How is your life? Your long lost land of hallelujah. Your hope and glory has passed you by. Arthur's kind of a metaphor for for England, where you know, post war all of the colonies, where you know, it's not the Grand British Empire anymore, and all of their kids are going off and doing their own thing. And, India is going off and being independent and Australia is going off and being independent and they don't have any hope or understanding of Mother England again. 
Um, yeah. yeah. If you if you're not expanding, what are you doing? Like you can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, in our last episode, was about Rhodesia, and this is mm-hmm. this is right right around the time Rhodesia declared sort of their independence. Yep. Um, and it's interesting. It's, speaking of of callbacks, uh, the very last song on this album is called Arthur, and it kind of sums everything up, like you said. And it actually ref- it actually calls back to this song because it it talks about in the last song Arthur. It talks about this song. It says, "Well, you're in your Shangri La." Um, so it references this song and the last song of the album as well. Yeah. Um, this was one of the um, the singles of the album. Yes, it was. Mm-hmm. Um, now, didn't I, I chart didn't make a dent in the charts. Right. Yeah. I, I saw that like the Netherlands liked it and apparently nobody else or something like that. Um, well, it's, but, which is really kind of devastating because I think it's one of their best songs. Yeah. Well, I think I've heard that since this came out, it didn't like it was critically acclaimed, but it just didn't chart for some reason. But it's kind of become sort of almost like a cult classic, you know, yeah, like, like yeah. people like it, but it's not like a big, it's not the one people it Kind of like, like Fight yeah. Club type thing where no one saw it in theaters, but everyone loves it now type thing. Right. But yeah. This album probably sells better now than it did in the 60s. That's probably true, actually. Um, so that's I, I I had a thought. I want to see if I can get your guys' thoughts on this one. We can we can finish this if you want to. But we talked about the British Empire thing, but the name of the album is Arthur, and then in parentheses, or the decline and fall of the British Empire. So is Arthur a a a stand-in for the British Empire? So is the is is normie is normie mentality and consumerism destroying the British Empire, or did it destroy the did it destroy the British Empire oh. the way it destroyed middle class America? So, so what Arthur represents I, is the the decline and fall. I'm wondering. I think that yeah. I think that's a valid reading of it. I think because it's saying like you know he clung to Victorian morals, he clung to Victorian values, and just tried to do the same old thing he'd always done instead of actually reading the world and and you know getting a view of the playing field and seeing how it was, and then. Uh, he goes into World War One, and Arthur is a, a a good soldier serving his country, and he's asking it, and he just follows orders without thinking about why, why or how. Kind of like you know they're clinging to Victorian era, like like the old the way, Victorian era. yeah, the old way, just because it is the old way, and then it's going to work because it's old. Like no, it it works because it works. It doesn't work because it's old, but you're holding on to it because it's old, and yeah. When when they're trying, when they should be expanding, they just go driving. They just try not to think about their problems. Be like, we're the greatest empire in the world. Sun will never set on the British Empire. We have little colonies all over the world. And I think Arthur doesn't do a terrific job raising his kids. So when his kids don't understand him, and, and he's not a good dad, I think I see that like, you know, India and Australia going away and breaking off and becoming their own thing, mm. and looking on Mother England as an old relic that they, they'll always appreciate but they'll never understand and they're not certainly not going to try to emulate yeah interesting because i was thinking if you if you if you substitute arthur for the british empire and then do the a re-reading of the song like i don't i don't think it changes much I and mean, i think you could probably make some mm-hmm. some some connections there for the same the same issues that Arthur's having the same doubts that Arthur's having as the same doubts that people are having about the British empire, because look at them now. I mean, you talk about in the sixties, they were losing colonies. Look at them now. They have like mm-hmm. nothing, <laughs> you know, what they have South Sandwich Islands. Yeah. Over his head, too scared to complain. I think that's a valid reading of it. Yeah. And even, it even starts literally the second line. This is your kingdom to command. Right. And they are capital K kingdom kingdom capital mm-hmm. K on the list. 
Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I see. I did not read that into it. And I think that's, I think that's very, it, it just hit me possible. as I'm sitting here and I'm like, well, why would they name it Arthur or the decline and fall of the British empire? And I, I, I actually did read a, um, uh, I saw, I actually I didn't read, I saw an interview with Ray Davis talking about this era of the kinks and I think it was a little bit earlier too. It may not have been this, specifically this era, but he said that in his early days, they they tried to do a lot of try to do a lot of like rhythm and blues type stuff to kind of change it up. And he said that intentionally, when he would sing, he would not hide his British accent, and he would not try and sound like an American or to sound like an American rock musician or a jazz musician or whatever. And they were all about England in the early days. The Kinks were all about England because that was their home country. And so I don't know if they were all about the king and queen, but they were all about being British. Yeah, I, I've heard some of those earlier recordings. And uh, well, first off, they're not very good. They're the, the Stones, they are not. They are definitely not a tight band. But you can also like you can hear his teeth sticking out of his mouth when he's singing. He sounds like the most <laughs> British. You can smell the, 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 un, the overcooked meat on his breath. But, yeah, <laughs> so that's certainly true. Just you can hear the limey coming out of the mm-hmm. out of the music. I wouldn't say it's good. It's there. Right. But yeah, well, so that's, that, that's that... why I'm, I'm wondering if it's like he's he's in some ways he's lamenting the decline of his own country. Oh, yeah. Well, the album that came out immediately before this was called the Village Green Preservation Society. And it is like this one. It's very out of step where, you know, the, the, you have Hendrix going on. You have The Who. You have early Led Zeppelin and all this hard music that's going into and guitar jams and sonic experimentation and trying to push the boundaries and he just dippies in we are the village green preservation society and god save donald duck oh, and then he lists off all these old-fashioned things that he loves uh, about england that he really likes and it's it was completely out of step with the times he looked like a, a washed up old conservative when everything else is going on around him and trying to push through things so like why don't we just save the old things and protect them and we and keep them from being abused and being trampled on. That's really uh, interesting. Because um, that, that kind of calls back to the very first episode uh, before Sean was on, um, when we talked about, uh, well, what was the song? Um, oh, Don McLean. Uh, Ameri- the, uh, American, American Pie. Pie. Mm-hmm. Um, they talked about the day the music died. And uh, and it was in like the, the 50s, early 60s, when... Uh, um, Buddy Holly died in that car in the um, plane crash. Um, that's when music kind of took that turn that that you're describing. That that's more hard and introspective, and and drug filled and and all this stuff. Um, and 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 that's very much Don McLean's lament of of the downturn that that popular music went um, after after Buddy Holly went. Because he wasn't he wasn't just lamenting the fact that Buddy Holly was dead. He was he was lamenting the fact that the music itself was gone. Yeah, yeah, that that era was was officially gone. Yeah. Like, like the the initial like dance hall, fun rock and roll was gone, and yeah. now we're entering in the yeah. the 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 '60s more more dark. So um, Buddy Buddy Holly was just a symbol, yeah, the symbol of it. But the music is what he's yeah. lamenting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think I think it should be pointed out the Kinks are not. I don't I don't think I would consider them a conservative band at all. They're not. I don't think they're overly political. But if you if you kind of read or or listen to them. 
they're very much like the sex, drugs, and rock and roll of the '60s kind of guys. Mm-hmm. Is the impression I got. So I would not consider them like a, like yeah. a conservative band or like a nationalistic band at all. Um, yeah, I was just responding to to popcorn uh-huh. talking about their first. Oh, album. No, I was, yeah, that was. That, I'm, I'm just. I was going to say that uh-huh. before your comment, Scott. So, but I don't want yeah. anyone going like, "Oh, the Kings are based uh-huh. in red pill." They're not. Uh-huh. <laughs> but the song. I would, yeah, that, I would agree with you. But but compared to everyone else, they they got branded like that, which is yeah. why their records didn't sell at all because it was completely out of step with what everyone else was doing. Yeah, well, and every once in a while, you know, even even the other side can can uh, notice what's going on and and lament it. Now their their interpretation was, oh, it's sarcastic, right? We're being sarcastic, we're making fun of it. Mm-hmm. But the rest of us can read this and be like, no, dude, you're lamenting it, man, because man was meant for more. Mm-hmm. You know, I love that. Yeah. So, but I think that's, that's the end of the song. Um, but, uh, so hot butter popcorn, thanks for coming on the show, man. Great song. Um, I actually would listen to this one, like, you know, just normally yeah. <laughs> now, now, now that I know it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, right next to the Mongolian throat singing. <laughs> <laughs> I showed that one to my kids and like, how does he do that? And they try and like mimic it. It's really funny. Um, yeah. But... And, and I, I love, uh, concept albums. So I'll, I'll... I'll definitely, I, I wasn't able to finish the whole thing today, but um, I, I definitely will go back to it and try and pick up on the lyrics and the story. Yeah. yeah, it's a good one. I know, I don't know, I only get one song, but if you get a chance to check the album out, check it out. But if you don't get For a sure. chance to check the album out, at least get this song. It's really nice. Mm-hmm. Is this, would you say this is the best song on the album, in your opinion? Uh, Victoria Slaps. Uh, okay. Brainwashed is also really good. Shangri-La, but Shangri- it's up there. It's one of the one or two best. Okay. Yeah, Victoria is the first song on there. I, I did listen to that one, and that one, that one's that one's pretty upbeat too. Um, I listened to Arthur as well. That one's also pretty good. Um, but it's th- very '60s though. So if '60s like kind of lo-fi rock is your thing, this is your thing. And and it's one last parting thought. I just reminded myself of Ray Davis actually said they recorded this with like crappy instrumentation and and uh, equipment on purpose to give it more of like a garage band kind of sound to it. So even though it sounds like 60s lo-fi, like everything from that era, apparently with these guys, it was intentional. <laughs> well, it's like, like we don't have enough money to, to buy good instruments, but uh, so, so we'll just say it's on purpose. We'll just say we're, we're, we're on poor purpose. on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> we're poor, yeah. Un-ironic, un-ironic. And yet it still has a horn section and some strings. So, you know, that they're still trying. <laughs> They yes, still yeah. have that, you know, that that Sergeant Pepper bug they're trying to chase just well, a I, little bit. Right. And yeah. I think like I don't know if it was like I forget who it was. I was one of their producers, their tour manager actually was like this the publicity guy for the Beatles. So like they, there is some like overlap for sure. But yeah, awesome, man. Well, hey, uh Mr. Hot Butter Popcorn, thank you for coming on the show. Um, is there for the last few minutes that we have, where can if people want to follow you or connect with you? Where where should they go? Where can they find you? Or do you want to stay anonymous? Uh, I have a Twitter account uh, at Popcorn Hot. Um, I, I don't tweet super prolifically. I, I should try to get more into that, but uh, I'd love to hear from you if you want to drop a line or anything cool. like that. Um, exit.org, like we've been talking about it, but it's a great organization that can help us to not feel like Arthur. Awesome. Yeah, and I'll... I'll um... I'll I'll link all that in the show notes as well, so people can can find you. But uh, other than that, any other projects or things that you're working on, or that you want to want to shill on the podcast? Uh, Crisis Lord. That's true. Amen. 
Amen. Amen. Now, I, I I do have a question for you. How do you keep your popcorn prices so competitive? Because I'm see here, I see here a small is five seventy five, a medium is seven twenty five, and a large is eight twenty five, and you get one free refill. Mm-hmm. So well, uh, most movie theaters are actually um, concession stands. They make all of their money from the popcorn, and they make a very small cut from uh, the theater distribution. I don't have movies to sell, so I can just sell the popcorn. Nice. nice. I actually worked at a movie theater right up until I left for my mission. And that is 100% true. That's why everything, all the concession stuff is like way more overpriced than Walmart is because the movie theaters basically make like 98% of their money from just that, that and like the other little events they have there, but not the movies themselves. It's kind of like gas stations. They make, yes. they make a couple cents on, on the, a gallon on gas. Mm-hmm. They want you to come in and buy a drink. Yep, the rest goes to big oil or big Hollywood in this case. Yeah, they have to stay competitive gas prices. Yeah, my business model is predicated on the fact that uh, you like spending a lot for popcorn, but not as much as movie theaters. That's how I stay competitive. Nice, nice. You and and you, uh, you offer a, a refill. Most most theaters don't do refills anymore. Well, for a large, for a large, you get a for refill, a and that that's the big tub, right? No, the ones around yeah. here, I can't even get a refill on the large. They just say really? oh, we don't do that anymore. I because know. Because at was... first, at first, it was like a COVID precaution. We don't want to like yeah. be handing these back and forth. But then they just never went back. I was going to, I was going to say that was that some stupid COVID thing where it's like, yeah. Oh yeah. Stop the spread or whatever, but net will never bring it back. You got a crappier service. There's two big theater chains around here and the Cinemark one is, yeah, it's, it, it's not that good. Uh, they have, like you were saying, they used to do the free refill, but now uh, they don't. But if you go to Larry H. Miller, I think they still do it. They, Larry H. Miller chain is amazing. They're my favorite theater here in Utah. Yeah. We've, we've got a Larry H. Miller down here by me as well. Larry's a good guy. Yeah. Rest in peace. Good old Larry. He's he still alive. I think he's still Utah. alive, isn't Bless he? No. no, he passed away in uh, 2009. Oh, really? Because yeah, they still... Yeah, they they still do the. Uh, never mind, I'm thinking of somebody else. But yeah, we have Larry H. Miller here too. Anyway, yeah. so awesome. Well, uh, talking about movie theaters. So thanks for coming on the show, man. And uh, Scott, unless you or Popcorn have any parting thoughts, I think we'll just have the song play us out. Now that you found your paradise. This is your kingdom to command You can go outside and polish your car Or sit by the fire in your Shangri-La Here's your reward for working so hard Gone are the lavatories in the backyard Just want to sit in your Shangri-La Put on your slippers and sit by the fire You've reached your top and you just can't get any higher You're in your place and you know where you are In your Shangri-La You need not worry, you need not care You can't go anywhere Shangri-La 
Seven shillings a 